Today is the first day of the year that many readers and listeners to Charlottesville Community Engagement will not have a vacation day, and some of you may be in withdrawal. If this description fits you, we turn now to a website for fake holidays to help get you through. Though I'm not sure Humiliation Day is going to cheer anybody up. It seems like really bad timing for Festival of Sleep Day, Fruitcake Toss Day? Perhaps it's time to see that website's manager. Either way, I'm Sean Tubbs, and I believe there's something to celebrate every day. On today's program, a quick review of the latest report from Interim City Manager Michael C. Rogers, including the naming of an interim city attorney. Another dozen or so bills have been filed for the 2023 General Assembly, including two from Republicans that seek to repeal Democratic legislation on marijuana arrests and voter ID requirements, an update on the city's future Meadow Creek Trail and other parks and recreation matters. And Charlottesville City Council is set to take a vote tonight on a critical slopes waiver for a development in Fry's Spring, but will likely not talk about it. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, the Charlottesville Jazz Society wants you to keep three dates in mind for live music in the first few months of 2023. On February 11th, the Charlottesville Jazz Society will have an event with the Allison Miller and Carmen Staff duo. On March 22nd, it will be time for the Charlie Ballantyne Trio. Then, on April 20th, there's Monica Herzig's Joni Mitchell Project. For details on all of the live music, do check out the Charlottesville Jazz Society's website at seavillejazz.org. Later on this evening, the Charlottesville City Council will have their first meeting of the year. One of the items is a report from Interim City Manager Michael C. Rogers, who will celebrate his one-year anniversary on January 31st. These written reports provide a glimpse into the operations of the city government, and here are some of the highlights. Allison Davies is serving as the city's interim city attorney following the sudden resignation of Lisa Robertson late last month. Davies has been with the office for many years. The position has been advertised. Rogers writes that he wants the position filled in three months. The city has hired a labor relations manager to manage the new collective bargaining ordinance, which went into effect on January 1st. Petitions and elections will be conducted in February, with the first bargaining period set to begin in March. Seven firms have responded to a request for a firm to conduct the city's next strategic plan. A selection will be made by the end of the month, with the work set to begin in February. Strategic plans help local governments prioritize what staff members should be doing. The pedestrian tunnel under the Belmont Bridge has reopened. A mid-block crossing at Graves Street will be permanently closed once a sidewalk between Graves and Levy is completed. A temporary bus stop has opened on East High Street as a sidewalk is built in front of the AT&T building. The stop was moved to prevent impatient and potentially unstable motorists from using parking lots to pass stopped buses. More tonight when this goes before council. What's on the agenda? Take a look at the details in yesterday's week ahead or review the agenda. What would you want to cover? Leave a comment in the comment section below.
There are now eight days until the General Assembly convenes for the 2023 session, which will be 45 days long. Another number to keep in mind is 308, which is how many days there are until the November election, in which all 40 seats in the Senate and all 100 seats in the House of Delegates are up for a vote. So let's take some time to see what's been filed. Delegate John McGuire has filed a bill that would eliminate an age requirement for veterans to be able to file an income tax subtraction. Delegate Bill Wiley has legislation that would require the Commonwealth Transportation Board to develop a policy to delete and purge data and video collected from users of highways after 30 days. Delegate Tim Anderson filed a bill to create a non-refundable tax credit for the donation of oyster shells for restoration projects. Community colleges would be required to create a process for certain eligible students to have their loans for tuition, fees, and textbooks covered. That's also from Anderson. Delegate Joseph McNamara has a bill that would require the Virginia Department of Taxation to publish a list of current transient occupancy rates across the Commonwealth, as well as specifying filing requirements for accommodations intermediaries. Delegate Lee Ware has filed legislation that would require photo ID in order to vote, but would allow people who don't bring an ID to the polls to cast a provisional ballot. Public schools would be required to teach mental health education to students if SB 818 from Senator Lionel Spruill Sr. becomes law. Another bill from Spruill would prohibit the State Corporation Commission from approving premiums for long-term care insurance to exceed 6% over the current rate. Senator Barbara Favola has a bill that would allow school systems to use alternative methods of determining if students are in need of extra help with reading and mathematics. Another bill from Favola would direct the Virginia Board of Health to require security guards in emergency rooms. Senator Scott Suravel would require law enforcement officers to report the arrest of teachers to superintendents within 48 hours. Current law says the report has to be as soon as practicable. HB 1445 from Delegate Scott Wyatt would restore the ability of law enforcement officers to pull over motorists when they detect the odor of marijuana. Delegate Robert Oruk Sr. has filed a bill that would impose administrative sanctions on certified nursing facilities that do not comply with staffing requirements. Oruk also filed HB 1448, which would require the Department of Education to come up with a model policy for removing books and other items from school libraries that are deemed offensive by some. Another bill from Oric would charge a civil penalty of $1,000 for pet stores who do not have all of the required documentation for dogs that are sold. And finally, Senator John Bell has two bills related to the Virginia School for the Deaf and Blind. One would require background checks for Board of Visitors members, and the other would allow the school to create its own police department. Before 2023 can really get underway, there are still some meetings from late 2022 I still need to get through. One of them is the December 15th meeting of the Parks and Recreation Advisory Committee in Charlottesville. There were no action items, but there were many updates on projects. The first was a progress update on an effort to complete the Meadow Creek Trail, which is intended to span from Mickey Drive up northeast to the Virginia Institute of Autism, followed by an eastern spur to Greenbrier Park. 
That's the number one priority for the Parks Department, according to planner Chris Jenzik. We have VDOT grants, and then City Council allocated about $1.2 million uh, to add to that pile because we did not successfully get the second round VDOT grant we applied for. Then VDOT informed us a couple weeks ago that another city had backed out of a project. And if we wanted the extra $800,000, we could have it. <laughs> so we are going forward with that with Sam Sanders' full support. Council already allocated the required match. Jenzik says that means all three sections of the trail can be completed this year, so the construction begin afterwards. Tonight, Council will finalize allocation of $700,000 from the American Rescue Plan Act for this purpose. Work continues on a master plan upgrade for Tonsler Park, as well as recent actual upgrades. Here's Ryan Anthony, the Deputy Director of the Parks and Recreation Department. We put new backboards on. Um, we actually um, uh, put new bleachers in there um, uh, per the uh, input session. Anthony said there are construction drawings for expansion of the parking lot, and that project will soon go to bid. New lighting has also been installed. The draft capital improvement program for fiscal year 2024 has $175,000 to address drainage issues at the city-owned Oakwood Cemetery on Elliott Avenue. Basically, if you look at uh, Oakwood Cemetery, way at the bottom, um, there are grave spots down there. And uh, basically, uh, we don't know why um, this spot is always underwater. Anthony added that this section of the cemetery was where black residents were buried during segregation. Some of the work will be to reconstruct the history of that period, as well as changing the hydrology. There was also discussion of several projects that involve collaboration with other entities, such as the proposed site upgrade for the Dogwood Vietnam Memorial in McIntyre Park, or the future Vanieri's Memorial Grove planned for elsewhere in the park. Anthony said there is a lot of interest in the use of the parks by private groups, and there is now a policy in place to govern that kind of work. A request for proposals for a firm to conduct a master plan update will be issued later this year. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. And, you know, this this newsletter and podcast's continued existence means that some of you support local information. Would you like to also support some local businesses as the holiday season transitions into the new year and beyond? The Buy Local campaign is in full swing, and both the Albemarle and Charlottesville offices of economic development want people to consider spending locally as they shop this year. The Buy Local campaign highlights small businesses within Charlottesville and Albemarle County through a multi-channel, multimedia, promotional, and educational campaign designed to reinforce how important supporting area small businesses is to the local economy. The campaign will continue long after the holidays. Locally owned independent businesses with a brick and mortar presence in the city or county interested in being featured in the campaign should visit showlocallove.org or contact info at showlocallove.org. That could be you guys. For more information on the Buy Local campaign, visit www.showlocallove.org or follow them on their Facebook and Instagram or Twitter accounts, you know, social media. Just do the thing. Buy local. Finally today, 
Tonight, the Charlottesville City Council will have an item on their consent agenda for approval. Stanley Martin Homes needs a critical slopes waiver to build 45 single-family homes on land in the Fry's Spring neighborhood between Monte Vista Avenue and Azalea Drive. Here's a section of the critical slopes section in the city's zoning code. These provisions are intended to direct building locations to terrain more suitable to development and to discourage development on critical slopes. The project, however, is opposed by the city's tree commission. Here's Peggy Van Yeris, the chair of the tree commission. We are also dismayed about losing, possibly losing one of few remaining large mature forests in the cities when our tree canopy is rapidly declining. Um, it has declined to now 40 percent um, uh, over just four years. That data is based on a 2019 study, and Van Yeri said the commission believes the canopy number has further declined. We feel the public benefits of denying this far outweigh what the uh, developers proposed. Developers proposed a man-made storage, stormwater management system that will have to be maintained by the homeowners when we have a natural forest, a natural system that doesn't have to be maintained. Van Yeris made her comments at the general citizen input period at the beginning of the December 13th meeting. It would be another five hours before the Planning Commission took up the matter after long public hearings on the Capital Improvement Program and the Comprehensive Plan. Missy Creasy, the city's deputy director of Neighborhood Development Services, said that this application for a critical slopes waiver is different from others that the Planning Commission has seen throughout the years. The development site already has been platted and the lots are uh, non-conforming legal lots of record from around the 1920s. That means that Stanley Martin or any other developer has the right to build the units, or at least some of them. There are 88 lots, and the proposal is to replat them into 45 lots. They're 20 in the current configuration of the site. Um, there are 22 lots currently that are affected by critical slopes. However, because they are lots of record, and if they're moving forward with single family, they would be exempt from critical slopes ordinance. Creasy said that because Stanley Martin wants to adjust the boundaries of the lots, the critical slopes ordinance comes into play. The developer could go completely by right without the waiver, but Creasy said that would result in more tree loss in order to conform to technical requirements for stormwater and site access. The request that they put forward um, includes preservation of an area that includes 77 trees. If they went out there by right, there are areas of that open space that they're uh, proposing to conserve that um, would be open to, to being demolished. Scott Collins is the civil engineer hired by Stanley Martin Homes for the project. The company paid over $2.4 million for the properties on August 5th, 2019. What we did is came forth with the best um, possible development that we think that fits in with, well with the neighborhood. Collins said the land itself is in a valley and currently serves as drainage for property on Azalea and Monte Vista. The plan is to use 0.6 acres of open space on the land to help treat stormwater and slow it down without resorting to purchase of nutrient credits. Collins said the property will be developed with or without the critical slopes waiver. Two commissioners, at least, said they would like to see the site developed with smaller lots with more residential density. Collins responded to both of them. 
this is about the same the right the right size that fits with the neighborhood and the, it's those this size a lot this size of house is about pretty comparable to all the other houses this is the best product that fits in with the existing neighborhood i mean to come in with something smaller and denser um has the has the feeling that it doesn't quite fit in with the character of this neighborhood Three members of city council were present and had no questions for staff or the applicant. A public hearing was not required. Commissioner Hosea Mitchell said he had been concerned about the development before the meeting. Water management is, uh, is not as problematic as I thought it might be. It breaks my heart to see all those trees um, taken down. But this site is going to get developed one way or the other. I'm not sure we ought to stand in front of that bulldozer because it's coming. I'm not sure we can stop it. Commissioner Kareem Habab also said he would support the waiver with a bit of lament about the forest going away. There's no care at all given to the existing asset, and it was just treated like empty land with nothing there, except we have a great asset there. But it is the lesser of two evils, I guess. However, Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg had been one of the people who wanted more density. It's just <clears throat> a little bit painful uh, to see this this plan. Um, this is the sort of site that's kind of crying out for a PUD. Um, the idea of being all the stuff about neighborhood character uh, doesn't really resonate with me. Stolzenberg said he would prefer to see a townhouse development built into the hillside. But that would take a rezoning, so he said he would support the waiver. Just a note that the current idea is to eliminate the planned unit development aspect of zoning, as well as the Planning Commission and City Council's role in critical slopes waivers. Stolzenberg also said he was not upset by the trees. We've heard a lot about carbon sequestration of trees. Uh, a mature tree will sequester about 22 kilograms of carbon a year, um, an average Charlottesvillian. Uh, emits about eight tons of carbon per year. Stolzenberg said he would beg Stanley Martin to place more homes on the land. Yet he and five other commissioners voted to recommend council's approval. The item is on the city council's consent agenda tonight, which means there will be no discussion of the item unless a member of council wants to remove it. This is not the last you're going to hear or read from the December 13th, 2022 Planning Commission. I really want to go write up the capital improvement program discussion because there's a lot in there, and hopefully I'll get to that sometime before the end of the week. I've previously written about an update on the zoning code from that meeting, and you really should read that story if you're interested in hearing more about what is happening this year in Charlottesville. But you're at the end of edition number 478. Welcome to the first regular newsletter of 2023, but it's the fourth overall for Town Crier Productions so far. Things are going to get busy very quickly, and I'm hopeful I can report on as much of it as I can. Happy New Year to everyone, and thanks to the two dozen people who signed up for new paid subscriptions in December. That really helps, and I think I got a personalized thank you to each of you. If you sign up and pay, you get a thank you. Each of these paid subscriptions has been matched by Ting, an internet company that wants to make a difference in our community. I am grateful for their support, which comes in the form of a match for each initial payment. This makes a true difference in my ability to keep doing this work. 
And if your New Year's resolution is to have faster broadband, Ting can help. If you sign up at a link in the newsletter and enter the promo code COMMUNITY, you will get free installation, a second month for free, and a $75 gift card to the downtown mall. Thank you to Vrocky for making some new music which has not yet made it into my stable of audio files. And thanks to you for getting to this spot in the newsletter when I can say goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.